Hello, welcome to Tough Love Podcast with me, Stephanie Regan, clinical psychotherapist and relationship specialist. And me, Mariah Blackman, matchmaker, dating specialist and the founder of Love HQ Matchmaking. You can book a session with myself and Stephanie together on toughlove.ie and we actually have them at half price for the month of June and July. So today, Mairead, we gave, although we have already talked about toxicity in relationships in many ways, I think, uh, especially with our coercive control um, podcast and and different ones when we talked about power and I know in another, another one we spoke about friendships. But for some reason, I found it came up a lot in the last week or so and I felt we need to talk about toxicity. When things, when things really begin to turn, whether that's in love, in friendships or in family relationships. And I suppose we're just extending it out a little bit this week. So before we go into that, will we just start with um, some, you had some interesting facts there that I did. came up in relationships this week. I thought they were really good. So yeah, I came across something here um, that kind of defines kind of what type of relationship you have with somebody. So a casual connection takes up to 40 hours to form. And you know, that's kind of getting to know someone and everything. Sometimes, especially with new friendships and everything, the more time you spend with somebody, the more you are going to be able to develop it, but also romantic relationships and dating. So casual connections up to 40 hours, 40 hours uh, minimum. It's kind of before you kind of would be coming to the casual side of it. Um, friends then, like normal friendships um, would be about 100 hours. Hmm. But they say that if you've spent 200 hours plus with somebody, that they, they would they would be considered a great friend, a great relationship. And you're kind of on to another level there. And like, we've never really talked about it in measurability of time. But, you know, yeah. like, let's face it. If you don't like someone, there's no way you're going to get to 200 hours unless you've like very bad luck and have landed in their company yeah. more more than than you would like. But it is nice to know those. Well, I think what, it, what, what that also kind of speaks to me is the investment that you have to make in relationships you know sometimes people don't see that they think they have a friend you know they're their friend but they're kind of not you know they haven't seen them like for so long but the quality of the friendship you have and the depth of it and the the sense of it if you like the the security of it and the the feeling of reliability that you have about it Mm -hmm. is all dictated by how much you have invested in that relationship in hours, because that shows how you value it, doesn't it really? It really does. And I suppose that's why your friends from school, like I haven't, you know, the girls are in different place in their life, my my school friends. But like, I just feel anytime I bump into them, like we all really care about each other. We all really want each other to be happy. And like, even though our lives are not aligned, we're in completely different types of jobs. They've some of them kids, some of them don't have kids, those sorts of things. It doesn't really matter. But I think what is also and the fact we're going to maybe touching on toxicity today, just before we kind of jump into it. But I think it is important as well to realize just because you may have spent over 200 hours with somebody and because they may be considered a very good friend doesn't necessarily mean that they have to remain friends or, you know, and we will be talking about that in more depth. Yeah. But yeah. sometimes people just get caught up on the fact that they have spent so long with her, so invested yes. so much into them. So just to know that we'll say, just as a, a kind of a sideline. I mean, in a way you're saying over-invested, so you have to be careful that yes. just because you've invested that it doesn't mean it's necessarily healthy, good or the relationship that you want. And that's the prompt for today. Let's start with friendships. When do you think of friendship? You know, when in your own would you have seen friendships turn? 
I think in different stages in their life, you know, I suppose at different stages, I may have been concentrating on my career. And especially when I launched Table for Six, it got extremely busy. But like at that stage, some of my friends were just having their first or second baby. Yeah. And we're just in different places in our lives. So there was no falling out. It was just drifting, you know, and that's yes. fine because we'll always get in contact for Christmas. We'll always get in contact for birthdays, um, you know, and at the same time, there is, but there's really great friendships. Now, I have also broken up friendships. I have, you know, yeah. there's, I won't say ghosted, but there, like, whenever it was an argument, it was just a case of a conversation was had, there was no raised voices, and then we just never called each other again, you know? Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, at the time, I would have really reflected, I would have called other friends of mine saying, am I being unreasonable? Because I am very accountable for my actions, and I'd be like, Am I being unreasonable? Am I, you know, not being fair given the circumstances or whatever it was? Yeah. And all of my friends were in agreement. And you know what? Because I suppose I was countable over it, I never regretted it. In fact, thank God. Yeah. But but something was there that had to be spoken, is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. So so there's a few things. So so a relationship can turn toxic because of something that gets revealed. Yes. Something about the person that you didn't know before, but now you kind of know it. And yeah. do you ignore it and pretend and sometimes we ignore lots of things in friendships, but there are some things if they're toxic, you have to be careful of. And obviously there you call something out. Mm -hmm. uh, as you said, you call something out and uh, and then you withdrew. And sometimes yeah. withdrawing is the right thing. So this comes back to like, what are the kind of signs? I think I thought what you said first, funny enough, the about stages is one of the biggest things that, yes. that there is. We often it's not that we outgrow in a negative sense, but we move along. We're at a different time in our life. We don't have time for that kind of friendship, which maybe is reliant on going mm -hmm. out and, you know, being in clubs or doing, you know, things like that. We have a different kind of focus in our life. So friendships have to be able to accommodate our changing selves. And and sometimes we step away from each other and we can come back again. So that doesn't have to be a toxicity, but rather it is if Drift. you're not allowed to be yourself, if yes. you're not allowed to focus on what you need. So people should be able to respect that you're at a different point and you may need more time to yourself at this time, not so much time for the relationship. Whereas sometimes people want it to be the way it always was. Yeah. You know, they want more from you than you're able to give. Um, actually, something that I, a fact I came across recently, a study by Oxford University has said that on average, we lose two friends every time we get into a new relationship. Mm. I thought that was very interesting. Yes. Um, like the reason being, then there's kind of two reasons. One, you know, they might be in a different stage in their life. They might be single and therefore, you know, they're in that situation. But one thing that I actually always say in my masterclass is that... Just when you start a new relationship, friends are not always completely happy for you. Maybe in the unconscious, okay? It's not always the conscious. It might be in the unconscious in that they were so used to having you so available. Like for it sure. might be that you have drifted away and you're in your little love bubble. That's fair enough. But not it's not convenient for everybody for you to be in a new relationship. So just be careful with that. Now, that could be friends. It could be family. But this um, this study by Oxford University says, on average, we lose two friends every time we get into a new relationship. So just watch that. Um, I think that's 
I think, Murray, that's very smart because I think I would have seen that very, very clearly in mm-hmm. uh, therapy work, you know, that there's two times when I think your your friends get tested in terms of where their love is really anchored with you or their friendship is mm-hmm. anchored with you. And it is when you begin to perhaps succeed yes. in something maybe that you've been striving yeah. for, or maybe you get lucky and you suddenly have some success, you know, that comes your way yes. or, or you meet somebody who has much more money than they do or their husbands do or whatever. And yeah. things, things, suddenly there's a shift in your sort of, how would you say, your your sort of the power or the or the equality between or the sense of equality between you. And so that can really test a relationship. And I would often see, you know, a toxicity there to be a red flag to be looked out for. Yes. If the per- if people cannot be happy for you, you need to ask yourself what's going on there, because real friends love you even and real lovers in many ways love you too you know if you've if you've loved somebody you pro- you probably you know there's a lot of you that still loves them and you may not be in love but you would care for them you would wish for them you'd wish well for them so i see that if that element of goodwill isn't there there's mm-hmm. something very negative going on i think a good measurement and it's one i often use is looking at how people treat you when something is good and going good in your life and looking at how people treat you when something is going bad in your life. Mm. And, you know, are they there for you at those times? Are they celebrating with you or are they kind of holding you back a little bit? And that, that can be a little bit of a narcissistic thing as well, sometimes within relationships. Yes. And this can actually, you know, that can go into like we're obviously we're talking today about romantic relationships, friendships, and also we're going to talk about family. But all of those things, how do they treat you when things are going good? And how do they treat you when things are going bad? And it's funny how you can weed people out. Now, while we were... Um, well, I just was kind of researching today. I actually came up with a few different types of friends and I might just go through some of these quickly. Okay, okay. So there's this com- the competitor always needs to feel superior. So we all have friends that they're happy once you're smaller than them. So you were saying there about when you get success. I would have seen that, you know, when yep. business started to build and everything like that. Um, next then is the flake, always unreliable, cancels at the last minute and you're always an afterthought. I'm like that is there's nothing worse. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of head nodding. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of those. Yeah, I because know. As women, we know them. The one who's never organized, never knows, never never's planned and and actually eats up an awful lot of your energy trying to sort them out and listen to all their all their confusion and disarray. Absolutely. There is another one then the user. Um never texts unless they need something. Now I'm actually going to throw in a side note here. I have spotted a few users down through the years, me being a matchmaker when people become single, all of a sudden I'm invited out for drinks, you know. (laughs) So, you know, there's an in there. Uh, The controller, a bossy times a million. Like, so we've all had those friends, but it just reminds Mm -hmm. me of school, like, you know, the playground bosses, the bad influence. (laughs) The part, sorry, I cut you off there. What yeah, did you sorry. Say? The next one is the bad influence and yes. not good for you overall. So, you know, maybe if you have a little bit of a vulnerability, I would say, maybe because we did do recently mm. addictions and things like that, that, yes. you know, it's not good. I remember a time in my life, I had very bad anxiety and I had a friend that always just wanted to go for drinks. And at the time I was like, I don't think drinking is a good, good thing for me where I am in my life yes. at the moment. Yes. And was always just persistent. And I had to just cut her out. Just mm. cut her out. That's it. So you're allowed to, you know, if you see these things, you're allowed to cut people out. Yeah. The jokester. Yeah, very good. The yeah, jokester. The jokester. Yeah. Meanness disguised as humor slash bullying. Yes. 
Yes. So like has photographs of you that they share that are not the most flattering or, you know, skies that is humor kind of throws you under the bus or insults you in front of people. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm hoping that we left all those behind when we were in our teenage years, but unfortunately mm. there is some of those that may still exist. And oh, then the two faced, so, yeah. mm. uh, different to your face than behind your back. Mm. And it's funny. Just, did different people pop into your mind when you thought of those that you've cut out through the years? Or Absolutely. I love them. Um, actually, th- I think it's really helpful, that list. I um, do as well. Yeah, very simple. But, um, you know, we can be very uh, psychological about it all. But mm-hmm. uh, people, we often deal with people like we think they're going to deal with us. And that's mm-hmm. not what we get back. And um, I mean, there Women, I, I think, because we're talking friendships here, I know we're male friends too, but mostly in our in our female friendships, you know, we're looking for people who will who will build us up, mm-hmm. who will celebrate us, who will who will be happy for us, who will support us when times are low, and who, with whom we can have crack, fun, enjoyment, and show yeah. our real selves. And what I find that list does is it gives you a lovely little set of posts to look at flags. I know we call them flags, yes. but, you know, to just look at and say, hmm, is that a bit too much competition for, you know, with me? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I certainly, I would be very, uh, I suppose, I feel my friendships are quite healthy, mm-hmm. um, but uh, like everybody, I have to keep a good eye. You know, and listen, I suppose I'm a bit of a always listen to myself. If I feel somebody has really crossed my path in a very negative way, I find it very difficult not to pull them up on it. Um, I'm sorry. I just say, while we listen to this, I've obviously had a lot of conversations with you off the air because we're friends as well as everything else. And I love how you do it. I just think it's just such a healthy way of how you manage your boundaries. And actually, that's I'm going to ask you about boundaries now in a moment. But I do want to give you a compliment there because I think you do it in a very kind way to them. But it's just like this not acceptable. Figure it out. Yeah. And people don't like it. But um, I really feel that, you know, if I feel really hurt by something you've done Mm -hmm. to me, um, I will check myself endlessly that I'm not being too sensitive, that all the things, you know, that people say. Yeah. But um, but I do own my own kind of reaction and uh, I do choose whether I'll, you know, whether the relationship is, you know, the conversation worthy of having that conversation. Yeah. And I think sometimes people don't like it. And I do think that relationships are changed sometimes forever. But yes. I used to slightly regret that and think, oh, you know, God, you know, I could have left that now. I could have pretended and forgotten. But actually now at this stage of my life, what I find is I have healthier, better relationships because, yes, the relationship has changed and it needed to change. It can't be, you know, me absorbing something that I think is not OK. And so I think that's that's I know that's kind of what you're referring to, that I yes. you know, can call out. I love it. And I think it's a good thing and you can do it in a kind way, in a straight way and just own your own reaction and uh, say what you think is not okay. And then a bit like a tennis court, as I say, we're all in Wimbledon imagery now. You uh, you just you put that ball across and you leave it to the other person to do what they want with it. You know, you you, you exchange information to each other. Like it's no longer mine. Off you go there. It's the information. Do it. Yours now to deal with. You mightn't have seen it before now, but now you see it. Now it's up to you to do it differently the next time. And yeah, I I think it's helpful. But I like those. You know, I think I might have been a bad influence there on a few people over time. I I was looking looking at your (laughs) list here as I took it down and I was thinking, yes, I could identify very quickly. 
with people who are competitive. Um, but um, the, the flake really made sense to me. People who, mm -hmm. who, who, who soak a lot of other people's energy, mm -hmm. telling them about all of their disarray and all of their confusion. That drives me crazy. Um, people who will text you only when they want something, I find that so transparent and people so think you can't see through it. And it puts thing going and must go out for day for drinks. Yeah. <laughs> right like, off oh. people out yeah. of the out of the absolute blue. They, you know. So so there I think they may be helpful to people. The Joker, you know, I think the Joker can be fun, but the meanness disguised as joke is um is quite interesting. And I see a lot of a lot of people who are less confident struggle mm -hmm. with that. And um People in your company should never be your, you know, who are your friends or indeed guests in your house or anything. They should never be the butt of your joke. I had an example of this recently. I was out for drinks and I met people that I used to be friends with. Now, not used to, it's just, we're not not friends anymore, but I just, we've kind of drifted down through the years. Mm. And they, there's a group of people and they've all, their, their style of crack is um, sneery. Okay, yeah. quite near, and it was always there, and maybe that's why I kind of organically moved away from them. But I was out for drinks, and I just happened to go over and say hello, and we we're chatting away, and it was just sneer after sneer after sneer after sneer. And, and when I, you say sneer, what do you mean now? Because I'm not understanding it. I think exactly the way you mean it. Is it like kind, a kind snide like, comment? Yeah, kind of silly things about me being a matchmaker and my podcast and all those oh, sorts yeah. of things. Oh, now, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. yeah, it's all kind of like, you know, I like I took it on the chin and I smiled and I obviously gave a bit back and the same energy that it was, you know, given actually probably in a kinder energy than it was given. And yeah. I quickly moved on and I just thought to myself a little mental note as I was moving away and there was no, I no offense taken from my side. But I just moved away and thought to myself, thank God, that's not the way I associate or that's not the way I yes. um, what you socialize. And I, like, I, like, yeah. and I just remembered that's the way it was. And like we were afraid yeah. it was a real sneery thing. And I just don't think it's a nice energy for anybody. Imagine going yeah. out for a night out to sneer at people. And I just thought, yeah. oh, get me away from that. Well, this. you have to be very robust. You have to be in a very strong frame mm -hmm. of mind to be able to take that kind of thing and and that's what it's not factoring in that no. we all come into our day every day a little bit up a little bit down it's a little bit hurt something happening yeah. something difficult so be kind being kind is really important it was kind of like one of those cheap radio stations where like everything you say it has to be and the next punchline next punchline next punchline yeah. it was nearly scripted I was like oh my god I just need a drink I need to go <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, just in relation to boundaries, uh, you know, yes. like, is there a way that people can set them easier? Like, you know, there's something that came up there recently that I saw. Um, mm -hmm. Somebody said, why do I keep attracting unavailable men? Mm -hmm. And this comes up a lot on dating. It comes up a lot on social media. Why do I keep attracting unavailable men? And my thing on that is your bullshit radar isn't tight enough. You know, you need to just... Mm -hmm. Like, just why you entertain them? Why don't you say no? Why don't you say goodbye faster? Yes. Um. So, like, people's boundaries, is there a way that people can... Like, I, I just didn't yeah. know how good your boundaries are. Like, you're just like, okay, maybe if that's... You're just like, don't explain, don't ask them for their opinion. And yes. I, I really enjoy this. You're like, if you, if you need to take a break, take a break. You know, those sorts of things. Is yeah, there the clarity way? of it. The clarity, I think, yes. I, of course, clarity comes with time. Um, mm -hmm. I think as well, the problem often is that 
our boundaries are disrespected maybe early in life. You know what I mean? Okay. We learn them at home. You know, we, we're, we're, we're not that encouraged yes. to be uh, clear about this. So it's, it's something you kind of learn as you go into relationships, into friendships, um, into your teenage relationships, your mm-hmm. first, your first crushes, all of that. And then, you know, when maybe friends go out with somebody that, you fancied or uh, a friend you lost a friend to somebody else or, yes. or different things like this and then you suddenly begin to realize there's certain things about what people do that really makes you feel disrespected and uncomfortable so it kind of just gradually builds in us but what kind of model have we got mm-hmm. and if you've come out of a situation like a lot of people have in Ireland where and parents aren't perfect anywhere no. um where there's been abuse or there's been any kind of alcoholism around or any of that you may find that you're not as clear about your boundaries and you have to really give it a little look yeah. a little kind of tidy out like your drawer so to speak you know really have a look why do and the biggest cue you have above all things is what makes me feel uncomfortable yes why am i not comfortable with that why am i upset at what she has done and maybe you don't have the words for it and you're struggling with that that's yeah. where boundaries come in they're, they're quite invisible they're you know they're very invisible of course and um uh and so you have to kind of turn up the the bass so to speak so you can hear it a little bit better and and that means the only way you can hear that internal voice in yourself is in many ways to lower all the external noise so that you can hear the silence, you know, hear what's within yeah. you and what you are struggling with. And that's why I say I would kind of always respect my kind of gut instinct. I, I have a book right sitting in front of my eyes here. Well, I that must be why I said it, gut. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think our gut instinct, as we know, there's a lot about it now, but it, it tells us an awful lot and it is our internal antenna. So respect it, mind it nurture it and and there's your boundary sort of radar all of the time if you're uncomfortable listen to yourself yeah and push the person back create the space and you don't have to have a row it doesn't have to be that but create the space for yourself so Mm -hmm. if they can't respect your boundary you have to establish you've why should they respect it if you don't even know how to call it you know i know ideally they would but really you have to be able to respect it yourself first i think for anybody that's kind of listening so i'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are people pleasers i meet a lot of clients that say the reason they're single is they just didn't go for it or they like to please people and so they didn't step on anybody's toes and seize the opportunity but you know the saying um like if you don't say how you feel in case you mess it up or mm. if you just say nothing in great case, it causes the hurt. Now, like, we're not saying we're going to cause hurt, but the chances are the relationship's already messed up to a certain extent. And yes. the chances are that person doesn't already respect your boundaries. So, you know, it's... Well, you see, if somebody keeps coming back, if I can, to the people-pleasing, yes. people-pleasing is very self-defeating because yes. what you are doing is you're hiding yourself, number one. Mm. So you're not you're not in touch with what you really, really want. 
frankly, I think that transfers sexually as well. Absolutely. If you're not, if you don't know what you want and you're only trying to please, you're not really going to enter your own desire very much. And it's not the most attractive thing because even within the sexual, you must be able to focus in on your own needs and wants. Yeah, That's pleasure, all yeah. part of the, you know, the whole part of it all. And so I find that what happens is when people get into the whole people pleasing in relationships, they hide themselves. The pressure is on the other person to know everything intuitively. They can't do it. And ultimately, the person who's people pleasing resents the fact that they're giving away so much but the other person doesn't even know they're doing it. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a real problem in relationships, I think. I think it's very difficult for people pleasers because um, when they get to the point where they can't please anymore and they're just like, you know what, I'm tired of all of this. The problem yes. is they have to be very conscious. And actually, if you are a people pleaser, probably the best thing to do would be to be more conscious about what you want. And then like not just settle for it anymore. But I think it's very uncomfortable because then a lot of the people that are in your life are with you because of those friendship things that I've just called out there. They're there because they fit, you fit whatever category that they they need to get things off. So when you start changing as a friend and as a person, it's very uncomfortable for other people. So it's like that when you get a new partner and you end up losing friends. But also, yes. like I would have seen this as well with friends that I would have met up with after a long time. Um, and we were out for a night out and I was like, you know, coming towards the end of the night, I was happy to go home at this stage. I was like, right, I'm going home. And one of the girls started this thing that she used to do back when we were kids. Oh, you're not going to go home. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. She's like mm. this whole thing of stay, stay, stay. And, you know, yeah. I, for- I forgot then why later in life I used to just sneak off, which is not great either as girls, but it just shows mm. like, and mm. I was like, no, I'm going home. And like she to patterns. Yeah. And she couldn't get over my boundaries. She was like nearly insulted by it because like time had lapsed since I'd been on a night out with her. And all of a sudden I'm just like, no. Yeah. Like no follow up explanation. Like, no, I'm going home. I don't and want so, to be there till 4 a.m. Yeah, so it's just yeah. it's it's when you so people pleasing can be very difficult because you nearly have to reestablish yourself and yes, more familiar with yourself. Yeah. Can I just say there it also refers what you're saying there. It also refers then to some people you grow out of. Mm-hmm. So there's some relationships that, are, you know, as you said, the stage, you know, it's yes. a stage in your life. But for others, they can't withstand the stage that you have got to. Mm-hmm. They are just not good. You know, they're not able to grow with you. They know the, the, think, the younger you. Yes, it's the younger you and there's no place for the more mature you. And you feel yourself being dragged back. That's a toxicity you need to watch out for. Obviously, this week we're talking about when toxic, you know, when love turns toxic and we're talking about yes. relationships and we started off with friendships, obviously, as well. But like just there, even as a starting point for romantic relationships, like I'm sure there's a lot of people that got with each other when they were very young. And so, you know, yourself, like I'm not the same person that I was in my early 20s or in my early 30s. Like I'm not even the same person that I was like mm. pre-pandemic, we'll say, you know, I've had to do a lot of work myself and obviously doing this podcast and all those sorts of things help. Your whole life story helps. But for a lot of people, like their relationship does turn toxic or, or does mm. it turn toxic? Do they just sometimes find themselves or no longer tolerate you know, when you get that little bit older, you're like, why am I putting up with this anymore? Yeah. Do you see well, I think you're, I think it evolves. Yeah, I think you're right there. Yeah. A, of course, some some relationships are toxic to start and people mm-hmm. um, uh, put up with them because they maybe don't know anything else or they think it's normal. Yes. But over time, maybe the intensity of it brings it to a crisis. And so then they begin to notice it for what it really is. Mm-hmm. Equally, they may evolve, grow and develop to a point where their own awareness 
has shifted. And so they're looking at their partners and realizing, yeah, they they are putting up with stuff that they shouldn't be putting up with, mm-hmm. um, that they are bending to fit into this relationship in a way that they shouldn't be doing. And of course, usually what happens is the stress builds slowly over time. So yeah. in a way, the toxicity becomes clear. Uh, and it, it isn't so clear at the beginning because the love, there's enough love and enough enough oxytocin, enough sex, enough fondness, enough effort. Yeah. Maybe. And to be fair, maybe the person who is not being healthy in the relationship doesn't know anything else and isn't aware that they are doing things that are negative for this person. So that's why it takes two. It may come out of a, um, a lack of awareness. Um, and maybe your partner, once they are, this is pointed out to them, they can then adjust. But if nobody points it out, nothing gets changed yes. and everything just continues to develop. That's why I always say somebody must lead a little bit emotionally yes. because somebody knows a little bit more, like a bit like you were saying to me, you really enjoy the fact that I talk a lot about, you know, boundaries or you feel yeah. up a lot for me on that. You I know, love it. So that's my thing. You know, that's something that in our relationship that's that's there. Equally, yeah. I enjoy different things about you. So so we we don't all have to have the same. We enhance strength. each other. Yes. Yes. And so if it's, um, you know, if it's a couple, it's the same. There's some kind of friendship. There's a there's, somebody is leading in different ways. And it's not a bad thing. It's kind of a good thing if we can see it as non-threatening, more enhancing and where both people are still kept in view. What types of toxic examples would you see from a day to day within your practice? As a, in love? in Well, in all areas, really. In all yeah. areas, yeah. I suppose, well, you've mentioned a good few in the friendship. So I think, I, I suppose I'm thinking now we should maybe think slightly in the love, in, in all senses, but in yes. the love sense. I think, um, I, I think the thing of certainly giving up too much for the relationship is yes. something I see quite a lot of. Um, postponing the self, postponing oneself and what you want. Um, In many ways, bringing, as I say, bringing too much of yourself in um, and over-investing before there's time, you know, before it merits it, before it has the value. Um, But in terms of toxicity, it's probably... As I say, people are loose on their boundaries. They need to get tighter. And that's what makes for a healthier, I think, down the road. Yes. and allows relationships to develop and change. I think that I, I think that people also, they find themselves struggling to assert themselves. And if they do, I really try and help them with that, feel a sense of power. I often, often say to people, try, even though I know you haven't done this and you've never really felt it in your home and you've never really felt it in friendships until now, but just say a few no's. Try it. You can't believe how good it feels. Just give it a go. Just say, no, I'm not doing that. And you don't need to explain yourself. That's one thing and I want to say to people. don't explain it. No, don't need yeah. give an explanation. Just it's hold powerful. on. Yeah, and, and contend with the feeling that it leaves you with. Try not to act on it and try not to, you know, blurt out a whole load of excuse me's and why and all the rest and explanations. Just try and hold with the no and just say, for me, this is what I need to do now. And... Mm-hmm. And then what you get is a whole new set of references. You begin to feel you can feel that this feels good, that somebody actually doesn't mind, Mm -hmm. that perhaps they understand you more. So so there's lots of things that you can do that helps the other person to be less toxic, if you like, with you, because sometimes it's just happening because you're not doing 
the right thing. So that's why I think it's a kind of a, a circle, you know, for me. So it's actually you nipping the bud of people being toxic to you or like yes. stop allowing it, you know, to an extent. Now, I know look, that's I think that is really good. What happens in so like we obviously talked about course control on a high level before. OK, yes. but there can be very often like toxic things just creeping into a relationship. Like one thing I noticed yes. is the words that are being used and like the type of arguments It can just like start something kind of small or you know, not just some level of toxic. It just doesn't sit right in your gut and a small little yes. bit of toxic actions. So things like mm. words, um, actions, unkindness, it kind of starts at that. Yes. And if you don't catch it at that stage, it kind of festers up to it gets bigger and bigger because people are consistently, you know, testing their boundaries. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, even being in being in somebody's house there recently, their kids were talking to them really um I was quite surprised at how they were talking to their parents is what I would say. And yes. I just thought to myself, and both the parents were there, and I just thought to myself, hmm, mm. neither of parents pulled them up on that. Like, and I know in our house we'd have been killed if we said something like that to either of our parents, by the mm. other parent or by the parent, you know? So there you have it. And then isn't that exactly how where people learn how they can talk to somebody else, mm -hmm. how they can disrespect somebody else, the, you know, how there isn't a, a sort of, a healthy boundary and a healthy respect. So what happens when they go into relationships? They talk to people that way too. So, and whose fault is it? Well, it's just, these are, this is the way this person has been brought up. But if they're in a relationship with somebody who kindly and nicely and lovingly says, you know, when you talk to me that way, you probably don't realize it, but you're putting me down. And that's how I feel. And okay. so I really, I need you to change that. I need you to be careful of that. Um, and so I think that's that's what I would hear out of that. And when you mentioned there earlier about the sneaking things that kind of come in, one of the first things, you know, you mentioned rouse their arguments. And I thought criticism, careful, careful, careful of the people who are ready to criticize you. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody has that entitlement, either in friendship, frankly, in love, Mm -hmm. Or really in your family. You see, we when we're in families, you know, we, we grow up together and sure we all knock spots off each other and rouse. Yeah. And that's that's OK. We're siblings. We love each other. We're stuck together and all of that. And we all grow, grow through those sort of, how would I say, moments of adversity. But there's a lot that binds us and bonds us and and it keeps us all together. But I think that um you know, there comes a time once you're adult that that criticism has to stop. You know, will you give me an not kids anymore. Will you give me an example of criticism? Just in case people are yes. like, I, you know, where yes. is the limit? Like if someone says I don't like that dress on you, you know, like that is that criticism yeah. or no, someone is so. on your personal character or your relationship? If people criticize yes, exactly. your relationship. Well, I think, first of all, I think um, I think physic uh, any criticism about your physical self, like you're, you know, you're, you're, you're a bit plump, you're a bit, you look gawky in that or you're this, you know, gone, out. No, I wouldn't take any criticism. I would see that as extremely negative from anybody, friend, yes. foe, you Good. know, okay. anybody. Yes. To me, physical criticism is out unless I ask you, absolutely, I want your mm -hmm. honest opinion. I've bought this, I've spent 70 euro on it. I think I look wrong. What do you think? Now, I, yeah. that's an invitation for your opinion. I think when it comes in life, in friendships, in love, in general, those physical things have to be handled very delicately. Mm -hmm. I think that for in a loving sense, in a couple intimate relationship sense, physical criticisms are a no-no. Never. I would say never. 
Um, then in family, what I think happens is that people, we all have a sort of a relative position with our with our siblings um, and you are the middle or the youngest or the oldest and people get very used to what they can and cannot say to each other. But what they do forget is that you grow up and yeah. as you grow up, then you're um, a mature woman or man with your own, you know, job and life and all the rest. And it can be a mistake that people feel they can still dispense advice to you about your life, your career, who you've picked, how you handle things, how you run your home. People will tell you that young mothers and fathers, they people will tell you what that you can do with your children. It's out. It's wrong. Any of that. It is criticism because advice uninvited is criticism. Okay. I like that because you know what? I say a lot of people, me included, listen to listen to criticism as in or like yeah. try and justify it, whatever, instead of just saying to somebody that's like I, I stop. Just, Simple. just no, stop. thank you. Didn't ask for it. No, thank you. Don't want it. Great. Oh, oh, yeah. I would be as clear as a bell. I remember actually experiencing that at around 28. I, I remember I, I remember just a moment and uh, and it would have been family. And I remember just thinking, that's it. I'm never taking any more criticism from anybody again. <laughs> I just thought, because I'm the youngest of 13. So I would have got plenty of that advice, advice, yes. advice, advice. And then everybody heads off and does their own thing. And I just thought, why am I why would I need all this advice? And then I realized it was more a pattern than anything else. You know, you can be used to talking. You can be used to being that in that position to somebody else where you dispense advice. So we have to readjust all the time. Yeah, and that's what I was just about to say to you. What if someone is listening to this here now and they're like, oh, I probably give a little bit more advice than I should. You know, mm. there's people in, out here that almost have to be right. There's people, yes. I don't know if they listen to this sort of podcast. That's what I'm assuming they do. But there's some people out there, like I've had friends down through the years and one of them that I did cut off, like she always had to be right. She never said sorry. She was always, you yes. know, her way. We wouldn't do anything anybody else's way. And mm. so it was a breath fresh air then when she wasn't in my life anymore. Thank goodness. Yeah. But, um, you know, to somebody that is listening, thinking, oh, I probably give a little bit of unsolicited advice. I a lot. Mm. If, you, cause if you think it's a little, it's probably a lot. What would you say to them? I would say, I would say, you know, we think it now in light of what we've said here and here and there may be a small apology. I'm I'm a great believer in apologies. You know, I'm sorry. I yeah. think I've, you know, I had a, I have, have a, an absolutely gorgeous um, sister-in-law and she, she apologized to me once about something and, uh, and it meant so much to me. And I, I saw that power of apology, you know, mm -hmm. and I have a whole new relationship with her as a result, because, you know, she just said, you know, I, I shouldn't. It was around actually giving advice around children, what I should do and shouldn't do with him. And and I was so hurt, you know, because I was trying so hard and, and your best. A, yeah. A young mother separated on my own up at half five running around the playgrounds, you know, <laughs> like that's what goes I on. Know, yeah. And um, a young mum and and she criticized me for something and I was just devastated by it. And. And I just thought it was so lovely. She came back and she said, I was so wrong. She said, I should not have done that. And she said, you know, Stephanie, she said, I was quite menopausal myself at that time and I shouldn't have done that. And, you know, I just I thought the world of her for it. Isn't it fabulous? Because what it's doing is coming back, respecting me and saying, giving you the respect of the apology, but also it's owning her own little mistake and it's reestablishing the footing on which you can have that relationship again. Mm -hmm. And that, so we play a part in what we get. And I think that's what we're saying here. Toxicity can come our way, but we have to play a part in pushing it back and pushing it back healthily. And that yeah. doesn't mean that 
it's always our fault. I'm not saying that because that's obviously a, a very toxic message. But we play a part in what we get. And if it's toxic and something is somebody is too controlling, whatever, you push back, you try and adjust. Maybe it won't work for you. And if that's so, that's the one you might need to get away from. We also were talking today about families. And so what happens, right, that where, and luckily, thank goodness this hasn't happened in my family, but say your sister or your brother now has a new partner and they are toxic to category five, mm. causes problems at family events, always talking behind people's back, all of this sort of thing, mm. like, or any sort of level of toxicity within families. What, where, like, what do you do? Like there's one thing you can choose your friends, but like you're kind of yes. your family or your family. And well, in-laws, of course, you know, are new members of the family, as they say. And uh, and I think personally, I think we have a big task, you know, and an important task to get on with the in-laws because mm -hmm. they are they are your sister, or your brother's chosen one until they're not their chosen one. And so I would always sort of take the line of doesn't mean now I'd take lip as they say yes. I wouldn't be taking I don't, think I don't want this to be lost in them um, <laughs> if you do a... take lip can I be there because I actually want to witness them, <laughs> the next part of that <laughs> yeah I wouldn't take abuse or anything from them but I would um, I would be always mindful that I would not like to isolate anybody um, and I think that in a relationship where you know let's say it's a daughter and her husband or it's a son and a wife or a sister and her husband I wouldn't like them to be isolated either so yes. I think you keep people in as they say you keep them in the in the family group as best you can because because if you don't what happens is that sibling that you have is um becoming isolated with this person who is a little bit toxic or a little bit as you say rude or ca causing difficulties or mm -hmm. whatever and sometimes we all we've talked about coercive control and all that and i always see that i'm always very wary of that because i think does it suit this person that we find it uncomfortable to be together. Yeah, is there a fine line? Yeah, and is there an undercurrent here where they're happy that this person doesn't have all their family around? So an isolating factor going so on. So be careful you're not helping to isolate yes. them. You exactly that you're not being set up to isolate them. Yes. So I'm be I would be very uh, conscious of that. Yeah, it's very um, good. So I think in in family relationships, I think you in laws you have to get on with. Obviously, say as a mother, I would I would have four. Um, four in-laws, if you like, uh, you know, like son-in-laws, stepson-in-laws, call them what you wish, and um, and then out of my own son and his partner, and I find, you know, I've always felt my first task is to get on with them, and when I so when it comes to family, I think there's certain things you must ignore, and um, certainly my mother always told me whatever you can't, you know, if there's something you don't like, just ignore it. And I do I do practice that. So when it comes to relationships that are very, very, you know, they can't be changed by mm -hmm. you because because that's not a relationship I can change. It's not my choice. It's somebody else's relationship. My job is to be um, a sort of a benign presence around that relationship. It's a little different. Do you know what I see a lot of and I think it is quite toxic is a lot of people when they come to me that they're single and I ask them why they're single. Very often it's because they're looking after a parent or parents. Yes. And because they're the only person left that's single, 
it has mm. fallen onto them. Again. Yeah. If you're listening to this and you still have parents alive that do need a little bit of assistance or a family member that needs a little yeah. bit of assistance and there's one family member, especially if they're single, that has stepped up to do the job of maybe 12 siblings, you need to have a word to yourself and you need to have a word to your siblings because there's a lot of those people out there that their own life is on hold and yeah. they might be, you know, wanted to have a family. They might have wanted to have children and um, get married, all of those lovely things, the same as everybody else and all of their lovely siblings. Mm. And they, they would just happen to be the last one. Yes. I think and that's I see a this a really important in Ireland. Yeah. And it's very handy for everybody else. It and is. they let that person do all do all the the hard, the, the, you know, sort of, what would you say, the um, the really hard work, the time consuming yeah. work. It suits everybody else. You've got your little family at home and they do not. And um, the future is in many ways being mapped out for them because precious years, we all know, years well, for of lost 30s them. are yeah. precious. And I, I've seen lovely friends of my own who... Um, who spent all those years looking after mother and mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not saying we shouldn't give some time to it. We should. I, I, I really do think that um, I always would have done so myself, yes. but not to the exclusion of your own life. Yeah. Because, um, you know, m- mothers have have had their life in that sense. They've made their choices. They've had a marriage. They've had, and I've always yeah. felt that, you know, so your task in life, your first task in life is not to look after your mother. Your first task in life is to look after yourself. Always, yeah. And I see this a bit um, where they, I'd have arranged a date for them. So they're like, you know, trying to be proactive. I've arranged a date for them and then they might ring me up to say, I'm going to have to cancel that date. None of my siblings are available. And so they've defaulted to become the, the carer. Now, there may not be any official conversation ever had. They just, it always just falls back to them and they might be like, you know, um, well, in fairness, two of my sisters live in Cork and one of my brothers lives up in Belfast. And, you know, there's all of this. Um, but actually, I think it's very important if you have a sister that is at home or a brother that's at home looking after, because I meet a lot of young men as well that are looking after an elderly parent. And I think it's really important. I think it's extremely toxic within a family. And I think yeah, people need to, to know that that is actually happening because the amount of dates down through the years that I've had to re um adjust to realign yes it's awful and, and that others need to be um Aware. very conscious that that life is being eaten up for that sibling and absolutely uh, and also that they will be alone then and uh we all know that relationships we we talk about it very very lightly you know relationships are core to well-being they're core core to happiness mm-hmm. but that means it takes investment it takes time and when i say investment i mean time investment and if somebody in your family is giving up all of their time to look after somebody they um they're going to be very lonely when all that is over and uh, and they may have lost skills lost time lost friends and i think we do need to be cognizant of that yeah yeah absolutely what would you say in relation to toxic family members when there's every time there's an occasion coming up so obviously a lot of people going to weddings now this time of year yes going on holidays and there, there is a, a family member that always ruins an occasion that nobody wants there at these events. Yes. Again, we may have touched on that already, but like, is there, like, is there a way of having that conversation? Well, I think you or, know, or criticizing. 
there's two things. There's two things. I think that people, we talk a lot about toxic relationships and whether you should step back from that person or not. And uh, the problem, and, you know, we, we've done that about having that kind of conversation, stepping back, saying, you know, uh, you you mentioned it earlier in the in the podcast. I am absolutely a believer in if there's a toxicity with your mother, your father, with your siblings, with anybody. Mm -hmm. Often having a creating a space where the if you like the rules of engagement get reasserted and reestablished. That is a good thing. You don't have to even tell them what it's about because maybe you're not able. Maybe you know it's drink. Maybe you know it's something else. You know they don't respect you. They don't respect your boundaries. They don't. They want you to do everything. They never do anything for you. You can't rely on them. They mm -hmm. manipulate you. All those kind of things. But the problem then is you can step back from them. But the problem is then, as you say, a family wedding comes up and you're stuck with them. Um, and you have to engage. I think I think quite simply, you keep distance, mm -hmm. you, you greet and you don't make it uncomfortable for other people in your company, but you do you're not under any obligation to overly engage just because it is a public event. But I think you should find a way to be present in such a way that it's not a problem for everybody else. Yeah, I think that's and that idea. might mean a simple hello, you know, hi, Maid, how are you? Good to see you you know, or you're looking well, it's a lovely day, great to see you at a wedding or, you know, just something quite simple and uh, two lines, three lines and move on. You mm. don't have to sit down and um, have a three hour conversation. Um, I think overall in the podcast today, we're obviously talking about um, when love turns toxic, both in or like in relationships, friendships and in family. And like there's a lot of people out there, it's it, maybe it's not at that stage yet. It's just creeping in. Yeah. And so I just think even having the conversation today has been really good for people just to yeah. maybe identify what's OK, what's not. Because I think a lot of the time we just continue on with it or we don't want to flag it or be seen as... Um, rocking the boat or whatever but actually I think you're from even talking to you today I think it is better off to say it I think it is better off to yeah and the more you practice the better you'll do it exactly. the more you practice you see if you practice you get better at it yes um, I have always um as I say loved the assertiveness model and I always refer people to it if you're in doubt and you're not good this was something I used to teach in my 20s and um and they used to get people to practice going into shops to uh, practice their assertiveness skills. Yes. Yes. Giving back things like, say, returning something, you know, when when the person would say, you know, but you can't, you know, you can only have your money back. You can't have your money back, but you can exchange it. And but you they would give you all these techniques to deal with people and to learn to be assertive about what it is you want and then to practice it in mm -hmm. benign situations like you know, in a, in a non-emotionally charged situation, like in a yes. shop. And so we need to practice our skills in communicating and pushing back when people treat us in a way we're not happy with. Absolutely. Maraid, absolutely lovely chatting. And uh, I suppose we're just over the summer touching on things that we feel are coming up for people. And if you want to talk to Maraid and I at any time, we have these consultations, which you can book into. Um, and um, if you look up our, our website, toughlove.ie, you will find links to it there. Thank you. Thank you.